You're listening to the Metamaniacs Show, the show for and by trading card game maniacs. Check out our website, metamaniacs.com, for video episodes and more great TCG content. If you enjoy the show, you can get expanded episodes and more extras by supporting us through Patreon for as low as $2 a month. Check out patreon.com slash metamaniacs to learn more. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Metamaniacs Show. This is the podcast for and by Trading Card Game Maniacs. I'm your host, Dan Green, and I'm joined this week by, we have Mike Piper back from his Vegas expedition. Hey, everyone. Uh, we have Dylan Strabi, of course, as usual. How's it going, ladies, gentlemen, and others? And once again, joining us is Kevin, Kevin Kerrigan. Greetings, World Warriors. All right, so... We kind of teased this last week, but uh, what we're talking about this week is the perfect TCG again. Um, We kind of just decided after talking last week that there was just a a lot more to talk about. So we figured we would do part two. And Mm -hmm. with this one, um, well, Jordan is out. Actually, we're uh, we're all very happy for Jordan because today he is getting married. So, ladies, he's off the market. So excited Um, for him. Yes, definitely. Uh, and uh, Mike was able to make it today, so we thought we'd get some of Mike's opinions on what the perfect trading card game looks like. So, um, just to kind of kick things off, I know last week we talked, um, I mean, we talked about a a wide variety of things. One of the things that um, I think we talked the most about was this idea of um, TCGs falling, actually really any game when you think about it, falling somewhere in between a realm of abstraction and simulation, right? And um, the idea here being that if, if you if you missed it, go, you know, listen to the last episode to hear us talking about that more in depth. But um, to just kind of create a gradient for us to talk about uh, when I get Mike's opinion on this stuff a little bit, um, the simulation end of things. Uh, well, let's start the abstraction end of things. You think about a game like War, like the, the classic card game War is probably one of the most extreme ends of abstraction because you're abstracting a fight a war between two sides but really all you're doing is flipping cards and the bigger number wins and i guess that means like you know one side strength is greater than the other or whatever on the what war, is it good for think thanks for the reference kevin huh. um <laughs> on the simulation end of things we have well basically like if you think of any modern trading card game it's much more closer on the simulation side of things where they're often going to take okay like you know the dragon ball z trading card game by score panini they're trying to make you choose a character and create a uh, choose the fighting style and throw punches at each other and there's so some of all these elements of flavor that are that are in taking place in order to try and create a simulation of actually doing whatever that card game is so long-winded explanation and and apologies for um repeating some of that information but i wanted to bring that up as sort of the baseline because with mike here I wanted to talk to Mike specifically to start about his opinion on what we chimed in last week where I was making everyone choose what do you like more, the simulation end of things or the abstraction end of things, because Mike, you are our premier Dragon Ball Super player, and you're you're finally back here with us, so I can't pick on the game anymore, um, be- because <laughs> you're available. plenty, to be clear. <laughs> Um, but in addition, Mike, you also were part of our group playing the Panini and the score, you know, and you played score Dragon Ball Z back in the day. So you have a great 
insight into what you might prefer between score, which we score and Panini, which we decided was more simulation versus Dragon Ball Super, which is more abstraction. So, Mike, take it away. What do you like between the two? Um, and what do you like when it comes to simulation versus abstraction? Well, definitely, I'm more of a fan of the simulation type. Like, I'm one of those where, like, I like to pick up the card game, you know, whatever the license may be. So, Yu-Gi-Oh! or, or you know, Digimon or, you know, even Dragon Ball Super. Like, I want to feel like, you know, I'm picking up the deck and that, that that's like my character. Like, that's my kind of think like a fighting game. So, like, a lot of times when you, you know, pick up a fighting game... Um, a lot of your really, you know, high level people that do the fighting game, they find a character and they relate to that character. They relate to its style. And it's kind of the same thing when I play card games. Like I want to be able to like that character should have like a style and kind of simulate very closely to the show. Um, and I think, honestly, compared to the Panini game, compared to the Dragon Ball Super game, I think Dragon Ball Super actually does that more so than the Panini game. So I think yeah, very much so. Interesting. I mean, hot take. This hot is a take, hot take. And I'm going to tell you why. No, I'll tell okay. you why. The reason for it is when you play, when I first picked up the Dragon Ball Super card game and I played it, compared to the Panini game, like, with the Dragon Ball Super card game, like when it comes to fusion or evolving or EX evolving, like there, I feel more like, okay, hey, I'm paying an energy. I'm putting a higher level card on to do more, more power. Or if I'm doing fusion, like uh, you're discarding, you know, a Goten and a Gotenks from your hand to do, to fuse into the super powerful battle card. Um, that's got a much higher cost that you wouldn't have to spend nearly as much energy on I feel like the Dragon Ball Super card, at least in that aspect, they they simulate that excellent. in that one mechanic. Cer cer okay. Certainly, yeah. certainly okay. with Fusion, which me, wasn't touched on on Panini. Now, let me, let me respond to this. <laughs> okay, so, go Mike, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I totally see where you're getting at, right? Like, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But if we're gonna let's compare, because like Dylan was saying, Panini didn't get to fusion fusion dancing, any of that stuff um, yeah. before it ended. But what score did was you mm -hmm. played as Goten or Trunks or whatever, for example, um, you had to then get the ally. Who's the other one kid Trunks or Goten and play. You had a card called the fusion dance that they had to, you had to resolve. So they had to perform the dance and then you got to put Gotenks into play and he lasted for a few turns and then it ended. Mike, I have, I just have to say straight up, I think that is a much closer simulation of fusing. Especially for a few turns. I, that's really, that's really flavorful. Hold on. Okay. And also, and also there's a lot of other games that use the concept of put two cards together to make a thing. Yu-Gi-Oh has that. It's, it's not necessarily a specific thing to Dragon Ball. It's pretty common across card games. I think that's a fair point too, but Mike, you get a chance to respond. Yeah, okay. So yes, you got to remember, you're absolutely right. You're right on that. But for my fellow other people who played the score game, the Panini game, what you'll remember is they also had other ways to fuse, which were just like that with Gotenks. That was cool. For five turns, they got cool. It was Let's five turns. So to be clear, five turns. 
I'm just I'm just curious. Was it five? It was I didn't five remember five. the number. Was it, it was five. Yeah, I see. I feel like Mike would probably. He's. Good I think with it was five. Yeah. Was yeah. it five of your turns or five turns total? I think it. Uh, I think it was. Five. I feel like it might have been back and forth. Like you had yeah. three, they had two. Five yeah. combats yeah. or whatever. Five, yeah. Five, five, yeah. Now let's look at cool. the other okay, things that Score did. The fusion. Let's look at Vegito. And for people who remember Vegito, you had the same thing, the Goku and Vegeta. But then it was a Patara, like the Patara mm -hmm. games, right? Now, the biggest complaint with it, with in Score, which just totally just they they, they botched it, is they had it where you could play a location. I think it was like Majin Buu's stomach. If I'm not, I forget the exact name that you could defuse. But you could also literally, if you played that Patara Fusion earring card, I could just say, oh, I'm going to remove that non combat card. You defuse. And you're just so, like. Well, that sounds, that sounds flavorful, though. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense in the context of the show. What does happen if the, well, ring, and, and, if the earring is taken off? Does that defuse them automatically? Well, in Dragon Ball Super, it, well, they it, can't take they, it they, off. They, they, they changed it. I mean, hold on. This, this, this is this okay. is this. In in original Dragon Ball Z, as soon as you put the Pitaras on, you are fused forever. Like that's right. To, and, to be and they clear. retconned it in Super. I remember yeah. that. But well, I guess it just because uh, Super's like, bad. What if your ear was cut off? Yes, what if you're thank you, Dylan. I, I, lo I love Dragon Ball Super, but it's bad. But and then. <laughs> To even go further, Dan, so when Dragon Ball... To uh, go further beyond. GT, beyond. <laughs> yeah, when they went into GT, you're talking about the fusion dance, right? Okay, yep. do you know what they did with Gogeta when it came to the fusion dance? Do you think they copied what Gotenks did? No. They did the exact same. It was a non... Like, it was just a, a card that was out that said they fused. There was no turn counter. And it was like, oh, if you remove it, they defuse. Like... It, yep. The one thing that I will give score that that is score and Panini for that game that was really really good that that I love the mechanic the was the life card. Like when you like you know when you took attacks and it was like you're actually taking cards off the top of your deck and it's like you know your deck gets smaller you feel that I will tell you right now, like that, that was extreme. I love that engine extremely simulate. Like I felt like I was in the show, but overall, when I play the Dragon Ball Super card game, when I look at and, and just take a look at it, look at the artwork from Bandai, the Dragon Ball Super card game. Look at their that great Dokkan art. Yeah. Go back and Dokkan look at great the, art. Go it back, does. It sounds like Brave Exodus for Final Fantasy. They, yeah, they produce great art for their mobile games. Cards. Exactly. Yeah, look at the Panini cards, and it's just. And I'm not. I'm not saying like uh, that, that. it's a bad you, game. Don't get me wrong. I love both hey, games. Mike, but if you're looking at a simulated purpose. May I, may I interject for just one moment? I have. I have just a quick yeah. question for you. Um, okay. So, can we agree that generally cards are flavored? by their text and abilities more than they're flavored by their artwork yeah, or, or, but, or, or yeah. like, cause, cause I would say that I, I believe that it's like 60, 40, like, cause I, I, I'm heavily influenced. Like I love it when I see like good art that like really like, uh, that really, um, jives with the, to, to bring Jordan into the conversation that really jives with the, uh, flow of the, of like the ability, like like when I think of a uh, art 
that really goes with the card text. I think of a uh, the Saiyan elbow drop, yeah. where Nappa's just bashing the dude yeah. in the head, right? And then you do it a couple more times, and it's like so. It's like it's a ruthless card effect. It's a great little art where you just see someone just getting just ruined. I can't remember who Nappa's elbow dropping, um, but um, so just to clarify, would 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 you believe that the text would matter? in general, more than the art slash UI design. Correct, when creating it, yeah. Okay. So, I'm just wondering, just just to, for clarification, where does the art for Panini versus Super come into the simulation side? Because I know we were talking about the simulation. Why do you believe that... I mean, I'm not saying that, hey, I, I love... I Honestly, both have great uh, options. I, I personally, I'm a little turned off by a bit of the, like, uh, the fan-created uh, characters and stuff like that from Dragon Ball Super. Um, I'm, I'm a little turn, turned turned off by, by Dragon Ball Hero stuff. I oh, yeah. I can't get behind that. I can get behind Super Original because character, do not steal. Toriyama is behind it. Toriyama does a lot of the character design, especially New Broly. New Broly is, like, one of the best things to happen to mm-hmm. Dragon Ball in 20 years. Absolutely. Um, but I don't personally believe, like, that I like the other stuff. And... But like all the unique art, I I dig. I'm an artist. I I love great depictions of characters. I mean, look behind you. Yeah. Right. right. Like it's great. Ultra Instinct Goku is a way better design than Super Saiyan Four Goku. Even though Super Saiyan Four Goku is super cool and super unique, the Golden Ozaru that led to Super Saiyan Goku is super boring and lame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so like so, when you you know, there's some highs and some lows. But so. The screen yeah. capture of Panini Z, you know, is, is super cool, too. You know, like, I really dig seeing, like, image parts yeah. of my favorite show. But, like, they don't really jive yeah. together. I'm just wondering why you would think that one version of it would help your brain feel like it's more like the anime than the other version. Because, A, the one is actually straight from the show, to be clear. Can I say, can I say something really quick? Yep, go ahead. Five seconds. Yeah, just once. Uh, UFS also does a great job, especially from their sets that are based on shows, where it's like, oh, it's that's literally vibe. what happened in the scene. Here's here here's what I tell myself, like when why I think Dragon Ball Super simulates a lot better than the score game. Okay, and this is and and, and I mean you can agree or disagree with me, but this is what I tell myself. I intend to. If they, if you look at the score and Panini game, let's pretend that the engine is not Dragon Ball Z. Sure. Let's pretend it's anything. I totally agree. Right? Let's go with that. Let's say we let let let's say uh, it's uh, yeah. let's put it with uh, Street Fighter. JoJo, or whatever. Would that engine work? Would that engine work with any other game besides Dragon Ball Super? Yes. Or Dragon Ball. Yes. Okay. Hard yes. yes. Hard yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now let's look at the Dragon Ball Super card game. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Hard yes for the Dragon Ball Super card game. I, I believe you misspoke. Oh, I was talking about the Panini game. When yeah, I look at the I Dragon Ball Super card game. Hard yes. I look at all of the, like, for <laughs> example. Literally, not even literally anything. Uh, wasn't the literally Dragon Ball anything. Super card game lifted from another card design? Like, not, 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 not to downplay it, but I believe that a lot of elements were pulled from... I, I believe Jordan and Dan mentioned this before, right? Right? The, the, the Well, the Dragon Ball Super card game has, yes, has a number of elements 
much like most modern card games. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to talk it down. I'm just saying Bandai pulled from like a. It is an amalgamation of multiple mechanics. It uses the um, Naruto CCG energy system from Kaijudo slash Duel Masters, where any card can be placed upside down as an energy. Yeah. Um. It it is a dude's attack game, much like you know Magic. Everything basically. Mm -hmm. Um. It uses a life system that is just a flip around on the prize system from Pokemon, more or less. It's, yep. you know, it reminds me a lot of Pokemon, and I don't even play that. And so, shields and dual I masters. Feel like, like, when I play the Dragon Ball Super Card game, my yes, big Kevin, good call. with the artwork, and then even the way they design a lot of the leaders, like, for example, I mean, people know me from my Zamasu, set two Zamasu deck. I mean, that leader, I mean, it just like the TV show, I mean, it's like, you know, he takes... Spoilers for who haven't seen the Dragon Ball Super. Don't worry about whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, like he, you know, right? I'm not about to, make, not about to mute no people sense. for five minutes. He's almost <laughs> like, it's way better than like Dragon Ball GT's ending. A lot of the cards and a We're lot setting of the, the bar real low. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff that I see in the Dragon Ball Super. The perfect TCG has they're turned into, oh. let's argue about Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> This turns into the Nerd Crew podcast. Okay, boys, you're getting to, off the rails to be, here. To be clear, I, I believe actually a lot of our, like, people who are actually interested in hearing us talk, I don't think they wouldn't appreciate like some Dragon Ball Z sp spice in their life. But to be clear, we are very derailed yeah. at this moment. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. like, if we I can wanna... raise hands, who believes Dragon Ball Panini simulated Dragon Ball Z better? And on account of three, you r just raise your hand. This is on One, audio too, so we're just going to have to say two, I do. Three. <laughs> I do. I, yeah. So Kevin, I... okay. So who believes Dragon Ball Super does it better? Me, Mike. Okay. So I'm, I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to point out anything negative. I'm just saying to be clear to the, our, our audience, that is our opinion on that segment. And With, also, if you have I think it's interesting. Opinion, it's a low sample size. And so. you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You're wrong if you have a different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I think I, I think it's real interesting to point out that I was not the first one to bring up bring up fighting games this time. Good man. I know. I was going to bring that up too. <laughs> Dude, okay. you can't let bring me... up fighting games without Dragon Ball Z Budokai. Let's go. Right. Guys, yeah. no, let me let me get this back on the rails, okay? So, see me in Budokai 3. Dylan, <laughs> um I, I I So it's true that 3 of the 4 of us agree with that. But that doesn't necessarily matter. Um well, it's uh, not representative the, of anything outside of this. Except for the topic of we're trying to decide what we think would make the best TCG. And let's just let me Mike, let me throw this out to you. Okay. If you were going to play this I this perfect TCG, okay, in your head, it's like in your head this idea of man, this would be the greatest TCG ever. Mm -hmm. Would you prefer a dude's attack game like Dragon Ball Super, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Final Fantasy, whatever? Would you or would you prefer a uh, a game that is more like a one-on-one -on -one with attack? block stuff like Dragon Ball uh, Z, Score and Panini, UFS, um, there's others. Uh, oh, what's that new one called? Um, Crucible of War is the to, latest. To set. clarify, Flesh and Blood. Dude, Dude's Flesh Attack, and Blood, Dude's Attack, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Final Fantasy are actually very similar, right? Like you attack one at a time. and you. But Yu-Gi-Oh! you attack. Wait, it's, I'm, I'm but, just curious. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to think because I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh! in a long time. It is a Dude's yeah, Attack um, for sure. You prefer dude's attack, Dylan? 
No, no, no. Sorry, I was saying they're both dudes attack for sure. Um, oh, I'm, I'm okay. actually yes. interested yeah, on are. Mike and Kevin's opinion before I state my own. Okay, so Mike, what would you prefer? Yes. Mike likes all card games. I understand. <laughs> yes, you gotta I, pick. I love both. I love both. If you had to pick your head, one for you your best one, I, either or <laughs> could be the top TCG, depending upon the you know how they build it and the license everything that's else. a fair answer the card okay. design around the entire thing but that could uh, be the answer mike for would rather game. die not giving an answer and that's fine so yeah. he likes yeah. it. that's my uh, kevin for, what do you think for me though i think it depends on the game itself like for something like score and panini I would never want that to be some variation of dude's attack. That is like you are playing as a character fighting against another character. It's very but much a role-playing like, game. Exactly. So for that, absolutely. But for other games like Digimon and uh, Dragon Ball... And, well, yeah, that's kind of the one thing I don't like about Dragon Ball Super is that it kind of mixes the two. But like Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, those function very well and they're built around to be dude's attack games. So I think it depends on the game. Does depend on the game. It's a hard no answer. one's giving a hard answer here. Come on. Sorry, I just it does depend. I mean, it really does. Like, okay. I, mean, I like both. Yeah. Games. Like, don't get me wrong. I love both style of games, and I will play both style. Of games. I'm not I'll, prefer one or the other. I'll throw you a line, Dan. Thank you. If I put Final Fantasy jerseys on and played basketball, would I be playing basketball or a Final Fantasy game? You'd be a weeb. I love For sure. This yeah, I, I love this. That's great. You would be playing basketball. Thank you. So, if I was wearing a basketball jersey and playing in a Final Fantasy party, fighting a monster in turn-based combat, would you say I'm playing Final Fantasy or I'm playing basketball? Final Fantasy. Don't give Square your skin, any ideas. Your skin doesn't determine what you are. It's what you're doing. What and that's, that's face very is, deep, very profound. And... Leatherface is still Leatherface, no matter whose face he's wearing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> but to, to, this is I, so. I believe two out of three have clarified their point. So I'm saying that the the game should mold around the concept. Like the skin shouldn't. The skin a doesn't make the game. And it's the concept in the game have to unify in order to make something good. I don't think role playing, um, like I don't think the Panini Z would be which which to be clear, I love that. I love that role playing. It's so cool. It's one of the things that makes me want to try UFS once uh, My Hero Academia comes out. To be to be one hundred percent clear, it's a very yeah. um, unique thing that I think. Um, uh, like this form of TCG can bring to the table um, where it doesn't feel like magic. Like, and, and, and again, I'm not a guy who's played magic very much, but it also doesn't feel like final fantasy, right? Um, they're very different in that. I think final fantasy is suited to dudes attack because you final fantasy is a, as a game, it, like the, the, the video games are designed Party around parties. Yeah. And parties wage war against other parties. Um, I would and and I could take that for many other things like Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is a turn-based party. I've never played Fire Emblem, but if I saw Fire Emblem, I would think I love that dating sim. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would think that you'd want to do that. Persona Five. 
one of my favorite IPs of e- ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of dating sims, that's actually why I brought it up. Um, I would <laughs> consider that a party system. But a lot of people go, well, yeah, Persona's actually a lot like Pokemon. So maybe it's better as a Pokemon-esque like card game. You know, like if it, if it pulled from that. So, like, yeah. my, my and- point at the end is that, like, I understand, like, a harsh answer. I prefer the role-playing because I think that's just a, such a cool little spice and it's and, more and fun, it's unique I and I yeah and, and like who the hell doesn't want to be Goku, right? We've we've had a, we talked Me? about that podcast ago. Like, dude, I want to be Goku. He's he's cherished by the people around him. He does nothing but like I mean he's a little selfish, but he absolutely loves absolutely, and he will sacrifice himself for the monster. people that he cares. Um, so <laughs> like, I that's a say, wonderful person. Yeah. Uh. Well. Well. Um. Just stop. Dragon Ball Super isn't Goku. No, well, I was going to say, be, <laughs> okay, careful, fair. be careful what you're saying there. No, I'm not going to give out any spoilers, but be careful. Uh, in the, we're not going to. Dragon Ball Super isn't Goku. Dragon Ball Super lore podcast. Toyo Taro was never a good writer. To, to, yeah. be, to be clear, I, I'm he's an incredible <laughs> artist, but to be, to be clear, yes. I will fo- if you want to bring up Dragon Ball Super, bring up the Dragon Ball Super movies because they are written and have a heavy influence by Akira Toriyama, and I will follow that into canon every day. But I will not... Like, Dragon Ball Super's Goku turned Goku into a joke, and I love it. I Hey, I love Dragon Ball Super, to be clear. I love it. But it's a, it's a different He character. doesn't know what kissing is, and, 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 and he has and we're, and two kids. We're, we we're, we're, off. we're off topic. We're done with that. Um, okay. Well, back, I, to, I, back to card games for just a for, for just a minute, because what you were saying about um, about like Persona made me think there is a really good example of a game that kind of combines both of those, and that's Y Schwartz, where it is a dude's attack weebs. game. Yeah, exactly. It is a dude's attack game, but the flavor on the cards because they are they are within their own sets. You can't mix from other sets. For those of you, you watching really the audio f- only version, Dan made like the biggest puffy face I've ever seen him make at Kevin's comment. <laughs> I'm waiting just, for just Kevin continue. To but like I had to like Why? clarify does, does that. He, he doesn't like twice. Go ahead. Finish, Kevin. <laughs> no, Go ahead. Finish. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm saying that is one example that it combines dudes attack with the flavor of the IP and the characters that it comes from. That game does a really good job of that. That's all I wanted to say. I've never played okay. Shorts, but I'd like to let Sounds me. Neat. Um. So <laughs> Dan's <laughs> reeling. Weiss Schwartz, or Weiss Schwartz, if you want to pronounce it that way. I don't know. You sure can. Um. That game has a, I, and I. To be fair, I have not checked in on that game for a number of years. Okay. I don't know if this has changed. Weiss Schwartz is a fantastic way to collect artwork of your favorite anime characters of your waifus that's yes absolutely i own plenty of them still i i have a ton of the fairy tale set because i really liked that anime (laughs) and um you know and that's and that's totally cool and i think they nail card design from a uh graphical perspective um chase cards like we talked about last episode i'm pretty sure bandai (laughs) took ideas from bushy road when they were making super um but from a game perspective the cards from set to set there are so many cards that do exactly or nearly exactly 
the same thing between every different That's anime. That's rough, but these are not yeah. cards where you can look at them and go, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what you know, Lucy or Natsu or or JoJo or you know, I whatever would would do." The, Kirito, I, yeah, like, they they are just the same effects over and over. It's like okay, in this set, you know, Yellow got another thing that I don't. It's been so long, I don't even remember what they do. I'm not yeah. even gonna try, but like, I, okay. You are right. To be fair, I should clarify. I only started playing with JoJo, and from that, from where I started, when I started playing with the JoJo set, I'm like, oh, these are JoJo cards because they incorporate the stands and all those abilities really well. The older versions, I 100% believe, believe that that uh, you're right in that regard. I'm only speaking from okay. where I started forward. I, I have a rare nice thing to say about Metacross. Can I say it? Yes. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Please. I, I loved the design of the Attack on Titan set. I loved the character design and the fluff and like all the characters, like the Titans were big, bashy, girthy, awesome, like, um, <laughs> you know, and enemies. Whereas like the, uh, the companies were all very like flavorful to their company. I think if the entire game was designed like that, that game might have survived. Uh, okay, okay. I'm going to respond to that, and then I'm going to try and tie a bow on this and move us on. Okay, okay so nobody distract me with Dragon Ball Super lore, please. Um, so, <laughs> no, get out of here, Mike. So, um, I agree completely. Set 1 was designed, Justice League was set 1 for Metacross, was designed so generically that I think it, it put things on a, a rough foot from the outset. Um, set two Green Lantern was tribal, but too many tribes. Set three was Attack on Titan, and that's where I think it, things were figured out. Mm -hmm. Where like you know how much, how many different tribes you can support, and it, how to differentiate. It felt them well like it got the T, the DBZ TCG vibe of like. Oh, friends are friends, so play with them. Like I, yeah. I, I, I got that huge vibe from Attack on Titan, and I really and dig. Batman that. was my favorite set. In my opinion, Batman cool. was the one was the pinnacle. It was the best set that um, we. And I have to say again, I was on the development team, so of course I have a bias here. But like, I think we nailed the flavor and the fluff in Batman. Each of those tribes was potent, interesting to play had multiple variations you could play within them. You could mix certain ones together to make some interesting combos. And I think that set was awesome. Although I totally understand. I think, Dylan, from your perspective, you're just more of a, a an anime slash Attack on Titan fan than Dude, like DC Comics. I love Batman Beyonds and Batman the Animated Series. I love yeah, good sure. flavor. I didn't love playing... Uh, I appreciate how universes is attempting to bring in multiple IPs, and they have successfully brought in multiple IPs. I believe a lot of people were a little burnt out by the uh, three out of four sets of, yeah. of DC 100%. Universe. And, 100%. And, and, and I think that no matter how good the card design of Batman was, I wasn't excited because I it was another 40% um, of the card pool dedicated to Batman characters. So, like, you know, like, I, I don't know how much, but I mean, 100% of the card pool was dedicated in that set to Batman characters, you know, let right. alone the the 
black lantern lantern batman who by the way that's beautiful art um uh, and yeah. and uh the other batmans but I, I just think like you could design a great game but when you promise like variety and then you deliver the game design you know like sometimes a lot of some people are going to get turned off by the lack of that variety cuz uh, think... if, if 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 batman did carry on that great design that i liked from attack on titan I really think that, that that card game could have went somewhere. I think maybe if we yeah, opened up the lanes a little more. But and, I really and like Dan, it. And as, Dan, as a huge Batman fan, I'm literally surrounded by Batman stuff as we speak. I will say, you guys did nail it, and that's why it's my favorite set. Yeah, the engine, the engine of that game was great. Could you imagine if that game could get the different IPs and they got, you know, they could get, you know... Uh, um, I would argue that I didn't particularly like the engine, but I, I appreciated okay. the people that were making them and the idea behind it. Well, yeah, but no, if they got, not yeah. every not every not everything's perfect. All right, guys, let me let me wrap this up now. Um, What's your take, me? So, I think what we've done here over this past about half hour of mm -hmm. just kind of going back and forth on on mm -hmm. flavor abstraction simulation, mm -hmm. Dragon Ball Super lore, etc. Um, I think the big thing we've highlighted, though, is that card games fall within a pretty big gradient of how much simulation um, versus how much abstraction and what's in the middle. I think the Metacross point is an interesting um, and, and really, really important one to bring up because that is a game where, um, Mike, you just used the term yourself, right? It has an engine, and yep. it simply skinned over that engine with different themes from set to set and tried to tie things together. Now, I think the point we were trying to make earlier um, towards Dragon Ball Super was that I think it's quite possible to do that with the Dragon Ball Super system as well. But like we pointed out, it's also possible to do that with, you know, Scorzy, Panini Z. And really, ultimately, there are very few TCGs that you can't finagle a way to reskin something else over them mm -hmm. and make it work out. Yeah. What it comes down to, though, is how much you want these simulation has a cost high simulation has a cost and mike you were bringing this up perfectly earlier the cost of simulation is really when you break down to it it's clunkiness okay you can make something mm -hmm. perfectly simulate um dragon ball z fusion dance right but or or for example the potara fusion right but then there are weird things, weird corner cases you might have to try and account for to try and make that simulation work at, to be as perfectly simulated as possible. On the other hand, you can just say, you know what? I'm going to get rid of some of that simulation. We're just going to make it simple so that we don't have to worry about, okay, but what happens if the earrings come off, you know? And then you that's where you get the Dragon Ball Super system of these two guys fuse. Now they're bigger. Now they're a big, they're, now there's the Vegito that comes down. Oh. And and when it comes down to it, both are completely valid systems and both do kind of what you want. If I, I never got to put in my take, but I tend to like games that are a little more simulation um, based. I started with this Star Wars customizable card game from Decipher. If anyone here um, listening to the podcast played that game, you know very well what happens when simulation goes too far. And these, there's these cards that have lists of exact card names that they counter because 
that's what Chewbacca would do in that situation or whatever. And like they, it, it was, it was crazy. I appreciate that. I loved that part of it. It's not a modern design though. Modern designs tend to be more abstracted. That's just kind of how they go these days. Yeah. Sometimes the realities of game design will just clash with that, uh, simulation aspect. Yeah, look at any of the Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super games. How do you make Krillin relevant compared to Goku when they come to power level? Right? I mean, exactly. It's, I it's think the, Yamcha did a great you job. You have to abstract someone out. Yeah. Yeah, and that that also comes across in fighting games, too, because it's like, you know, just because, like in Dragon Ball Fighters, technically, you know, who's the strongest character, but Yamcha's still one of the best characters in the game, even though he would get obliterated in canon by anyone in the show. Very true. Very true. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about that we just kind of hinted at at the end of the last episode um, was the idea that there's a lot of things that we can improve outside of just, you know, the, the game mechanics, mechanics itself to make this perfect TCG, you know, the perfect TCG. So um, one of the things that I mentioned right at the tail end, and I knew it would start a conversation, but I just wanted to tease you guys anyway, was um, the idea of obviously a digital platform for a card game. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel like the perfect TCG has its own digital implementation outside of Untap or Tabletop Simulator as well. Is that a, Does anyone have a hot take on that, or does everyone share that? I agree. Um, if, do, if done right, 100%. 100%. It's, it's very difficult, but when it works, it does wonders for a game. So that's, that's the big thing. When you say it's difficult, it's, what it really is is it's very expensive. Um, and the company has to be able to recoup its costs on, on what it's doing. So it's, that's why you only see it from like magic, the gathering with arena and, and, uh, actually I, it, well, so light seekers is an interesting one. We can talk about that started as a digital TCG and then decided to go oh, yeah. physical afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. and they also did that with they that same company made age of Sigmar champions in the Warhammer universe as well, which is another game. Oh, where yeah, it, I forgot about that. Yeah, it, it was short lived. It's it's so it's interesting because I don't I don't think either of those are for me the perfect TCG um, for various other reasons. But um, we have seen it happen a few times outside of arena, but it's usually a digital TCG then deciding, you know what? I bet we can make money if we print physical and based on mm-hmm. how those games went, their bet might not have actually panned out the way they were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's like you you want and you want to you have to do it well too. It's almost worse than having no digital platform is half-assing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely, um, and we talked plenty about this in the arena episode. But I think all of us at least were in agreement that arena's platform was a pretty good way to do it at the very worst. Um, oh, oh yeah, it's the only way I play Magic. Yeah, it. I mean, and I think there's a lot of people like that. Um, yeah, so my, minus a it has to be a tutorial. I I thought that it was the best digital card game experience I've I've had. For sure. And I and I've um, had a lot of them. So outside of just the idea of you know putting boatloads of money into making a digital version of the game, <laughs> um, do you guys have any other things you think a company needs to do in order to make their card game perfect? I thought about this uh, a little before we started recording today. There's a really good uh, series of videos on YouTube. The guy's channel name is Kodok, K-O-H-D-O-K. I knew you were going to refer to him. Yep, he's oh, great. Oh, yeah. The, the Seven Deadly Sins of TCG Design. They're really good videos. I highly recommend them. And 
one of the things he was kind of talking about that made me think was he was talking about reminder text. And I want to expand that into clarification for game text. When you design a game, you and, and I think a lot of games, they start out really clunky and then they'll simplify it over time. But you yeah, need no. to have simple, clear, and concise game text. So no matter how good your game is, if no one understands what the heck you're talking about, it's not going to do any good. For sure. Yeah, and I want to say that um, I think I think Kodak's videos are awesome. I have disagreed with him on a few points, actually. Mike, you'll like this. Oh, he, has an, he has a, an episode that is one hundred percent about why life decks, like in Dragon Ball Z, Panini aren't good. And I completely disagree with that. <laughs> he brings up some good points, but I still side on enjoying them as a mechanic in in the right context. But um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, his his videos are awesome. I think listeners should definitely check those out if they want more opinions. That's what he does. I watched them all because it's a lot like what we were looking at doing for this podcast initially, which is just talking about TCGs in general. So I got sucked into his whole series because they're they're mm -hmm. interesting and he has great points. So um, I wanted to say that um, tournament circuit needs to be something that needs it has to happen right away. Mm. The yeah. only reason we really stick with these physical card games is for the community. The community needs to exist in order for it to be something that we want to invest in heavily. And right. the community doesn't truly exist unless everyone sort of has this thing. Even if, even if you're just going to be a kitchen table player, you don't intend to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to go win worlds or whatever. Having mm -hmm. the sights, having being able to set your sights higher on something to aspire to, even at the local level, will get people into the shop to play frequently. That's there how has you to keep be the support. Going. Yes. So we need you need organized play. Does it need to be a million dollar circuit? No. Absolutely not. Definitely not. But one of the there needs biggest to be something. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes Transformers made was there was no OP for that entire first set. And I felt that set it back so far yeah. that although they did add it later on, I felt like it was just a big mistake to not have it at the beginning. That that also led to Metacross's demise as well. It just never, OP never really materialized. So, and we're not going to go into all the myriad reasons why yeah. that could have been. But To clarify, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, off and, of... To jump off of both Sorry. of your guys' points. No, you're fine. I kind of interjected. You you didn't interrupt me. I interrupted you. Um, to clarify off of both, <laughs> both of your points that I think is extremely important is because um, when Kevin mentioned concise language, I think that is actually more important um, in rule structure. And, and um, so like in rule structure, so like the rules that explain the game design, um, so that sure. you can have a clear, clean, organized play. Because if people are arguing card effects or they're trying to like weasel out of certain things, you know, because some people will take. I'm not. I'm. I, again, I try to um, look at people as a general positive. I think most people are good, uh, but I I understand that some people, when put in a situation where they feel like they can gain something, will compromise themselves. Um, morally in order to achieve that and if you don't have a clear rule system for how to a handle those situations um b um how to uh discern card text and abilities and what they do um you're not going to have a good organized play or a good game at, at all 
to be perfectly fair. Don't don't so, be score Saiyan Saga. Yep. So you yeah, just you just have to have you have to have a quick score Saiyan Saga. Um, and and <laughs> off of that, you have to have a quick resolution to, um, uh, I wouldn't broken is a word that's thrown around a lot, but broken mechanics, um, and that would also piggyback into the communication that we mentioned um, last episode. Mm-hmm. Where um, I think uh, a great thing that uh, the Final Fantasy TCG does, and I'm not trying to go off that, that's just the one that I know, is um, the lead card designer, the producer of the game, um, Toro Kageyama. Um, great, great uh, Kageyama-san, I appreciate you. Um, he um, has his Twitter open and for for questions. And he, like, oh, wow. people refer to his Twitter for that. So, like, if you ever have, like, a question on, like, a new mechanic... Or hey, does this is worded a little differently? Because for those of you who don't know, the game is initially Japanese. Its initial translation is Japanese, and it gets translated to North America. And for the first Which is five sets attack. or so, huh? Yeah, that's, it is. Yes, I mean, yes. that's a huge hurdle that it, Final um, Fantasy impressively overcomes very well. It, there is a an inherent language barrier in the card creation. Yep. So, um, so the, a few um. A few of the earlier sets, it was a little uh, harder. or some stumbles. Uh, cards such as Death Machine, um, which is, if anybody's interested, you can just Google FFTCG Death, Death Machine. I'm sure it'll pop up on the Reddit. Um, the North American card and the Japanese card did not read the same. Um, and mm-hmm. the card effect was really, really broken if, if you didn't read it the same. Um, the card said, basically, uh, you pay... F- you paid five, and it set, sits on the field. And at the end of your opponent's turn, they select a forward and put it into the break zone. And at the end of your turn, you select one. Um, but um, basically, or, or you can put death and scene into the break zone. So basically it was a, uh, you could play cards that wouldn't break when selected. Or so like, so you could get around it, but death machine... I believe his in- intentional writing was uh, you have to break one or else it gets broken. So, like, you couldn't, like, get around the effect in the Japanese version. Like, both players have to sack things. Whereas in the English version, it was, oh, well, you can choose one as, as long as they've been chosen. So, like, if you put cards... Like, some cards just can't be broken by card effects, right? So, like, you could you could heavily get around that and make it a one-side negative every turn um yeah and that that's another good point when when it comes to constructing like we say the perfect tcg if there are multiple different countries that play the same game you have to try the best and i know it's difficult but parity between different regions yep is really important and, and to be clear like dan like dan had said it does a very good job in spite of that um and and that is 100% on the game designers um picking a great translation team and everybody that understands each other, which is might sound like a pun, but it's the ultimate goal in that. Kevin, you brought up something that I want to hit on, which is that mm-hmm. um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is my prime example for this, for a game that has a Japanese version with Japanese ex- exclusive cards and a global version that has, you know, a different set of exclusive cards. And Absolutely. My perfect TCG would not have that. It, it, I mean, I wouldn't yep. even dream of ever I agree. going yeah. that Sounds route. Bad to me. 
Because the, the, it's just not the TCG OCG thing is a nightmare. Having, in fact, just simply having the delayed release of the global version to the the Japanese one um, is pr- super problematic because then one side of the world gets to see what happens. They have information before the set releases. They know what's good, what's bad, and the only reason. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sorry. I'm not going to get too hyperbolic about this, but Konami puts in at least they used to. Again, I haven't checked in in a while, but we had we had a commenter who told it who who went on one of our YouTube videos and said, "Yeah, you guys are right. They still do this. Um, they put in you know English only versions in sets, and mm-hmm. part of the reason they do that is to be able to sell it to people." after they've already seen how all these other cards play out or like, Oh, the broken card didn't get printed. We got to put some new stuff in that they haven't seen so that there's something enticing. Yeah. They're they're playing a different game basically. Yeah. And, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's sort of, sort of sleazy in a way. And it's sort of just, um, you know, there were so many cards that I remember when I was playing, I think, man, I wish we had that card. That would be fun for me to play in my deck. I would get to enjoy playing that, but I, can't because i play the english version so um it's it's just a it's a weird 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 route to take and i just can't condone it at all we are we are talking about konami here so you know r.i.p metal gear silent hill castlevania (laughs) yeah yep i don't think we're gonna get konami as a sponsor on this podcast anytime soon (laughs) so yeah pull the lever Um, did you get yeah did you guys have um any other like elements you want to talk about? Oh, I, actually, I want to say one more thing about Dylan, what you were saying. Um, I think what now you can't look to them for everything, just to be clear. I don't think every decision that this company makes is correct. But if anyone is an aspiring TCG designer out there looking every to time. try and make their next TCG kind of hit the market big or something, you are doing a disservice to yourself if you don't look at what Wizards of the Coast has done so far. Um, if you want to talk about clear, concise rulings, I will always stand behind Wizards of the Coast, who does this, I think, impeccably. Their comprehensive ruling document, yeah, it's like a thousand pages at this point. But if you have a question about a rule, the answer's in there. It yeah, is control clear F that. night and day. It's not even like, ooh, I think you could interpret this one way. No, I don't. Yeah. I can't think of a scenario where it isn't exactly perfectly laid out for you by just fa- finding the correct parts on there. And that doesn't mean you have to like learn to read that, but it means that the judges who you can refer to can give you the exact answer. When a card gets printed, actually, when the set comes out, they print on their website. This is the they. they um, I'm blanking on exactly what they call it, but they have basically an FAQ for the entire set when um, when a new mm-hmm. set releases and it has every card there and it goes through corner cases that you might see like oh what you know what would happen if I took control of this creature or something FFPCG it has yeah it, it, what happens for the owner um, yeah. and, and that, that, kind and of that thing comes is from experience what's that Kevin no I say that comes from experience because they've been around for so long a hundred percent, and it should be a it should be a thing where we stand on the shoulders of giants for this. Like I, absolutely, I, you should just every company should at least look at what they're doing and think how can we do something that at least gets that level of knowledge and information out there. It doesn't mean you have to do exactly the same thing. And props to Bandai, because Dragon Ball Super has a nice comprehensive ruling document. Also, they are not a hundred percent spot on on getting the rulings worded correctly when they do like FAQ stuff. 
or whatever yeah. that they have they have mistakes i think this the language barrier is a big part of that that we translation is I'd, definitely a big issue i'd be curious to know who was the longest running and potentially oldest person on their design team cuz magic as we know is about 30 years old now isn't it is it 35 so i'm curious um, if there's anybody that's been designing almost, cards for like 25 27 years on their team it's possible because, there are. because that's there are. because that's awesome okay. right like if you think about that like i i'm turning 26 next week and there are people who have been working on magic the gathering longer than i've been alive so like so, my tcg experience is what maybe six years old their tcg experience is probably beyond that and then they've been designing for that long. Like that's just a, it's a mm -hmm. hard it's it's a hard bar to pass specifically. I mean, not specifically, but in light of that. So Mark Rosewater um, and Dylan, he's basically like the Kageyama-san of Magic. He's cool. the I I don't know his exact term. He's the head creative director or something. He's the main guy. Sure. Um, he came on. If I remember the story right, he came on during Tempest, which was I went and checked it out as 1997. Uh, was when that set released. And he has been an integral part of like sort of guiding Magic's design since um, he was designing That's really cool. Then. That's really um, cool. Yeah, so so Magic absolutely has the, the, the history that I think all TCGs need to look at. And now, like I said, not every decision they make is right, but you, I think just you are objectively wrong if you're not, if you're a designer of a game and you're not like at least looking at what they're doing and trying to see, okay, what worked, what didn't, what's good, what's bad, um, and how can I use this to inform make how I can make my TCG the best it possibly can. I mean, how, how many games other than like, like, like sports last more than 30 years, like, or mm -hmm. 20 years or 10 years even? Like I mean, how, how many of those games, like, yeah. what, D&D, &D? right? Like, yeah. Sure. Like, even some, even some, some board like games, like, Early, super casual like, board games, like, check, like, Connect 4 and stuff. Like, imagine designing a super complicated game that has interwoven parts that, like, get refreshed every three months. And, like, the entire sets go out. And, like, keeping people around for, like, 20-plus years. Like, that's a pretty magnificent undertaking. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yep. So, I, you know, I think that's probably a great place to wrap this up. I think we honestly could have just kept going and going and going with tons more things that TCGs part can do, three, right four. or wrong. Yeah. So, right. maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll revisit this sometime in the future. But next week we're going to change topics, change gears a little bit, talk about something else. We're going to talk about um, Dragon hope... Ball Super next week. No. <laughs> Heck yeah, we're gonna we're gonna regular no. media the hell out of it. Wait a minute, next week um, I might be at my tournament. Don't do that. No, wait a no, week. No, I'm kidding. It's a perfect time week. to do oh, it. Good. it. It Michael would be, be gone, so we can hit, make fun of Dragon Ball it, Super again. It could no. be a great dude. I've been on that train the entire episode today. I'm not sure if you've been here, but no, I've been I'm, here. No, um, I'm I am kidding. kidding though. We all <laughs> we all do like Super for you know different elements and different yeah. things we like about it. Mike is just fun to tease about it. So a uh, Super Saiyan um, Blue Kaioken is like one of the coolest designs. Like it's such such a wonderful art. It's it's actually the art that I asked Dan to reference off for my Twitch, um for my Twitch, which I haven't once, gotten time once to he, do once yet. He but gets to, it's fine. <laughs> um, but um, Jiren's the word. But yeah, that so. would, hey, that might be a fun uh extra bonus episode. Bonus episode. Hit me up. That if is you what think it's that's perfect fun. for. So. Speaking of you bonus, better bring me on for that. Thank you for pointing that out. You're welcome. Um, 
if you guys do enjoy what you're listening to and want a little bit extra, we have not yet posted October's bonus episode, but we will be getting that up sometime this month. Um, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash metamaniacs. You can support us for as low as two bucks a month. You get access to additional podcast episodes that are going to be about completely random stuff sometimes. Like, I guess we're probably going to do a Dragon Ball Super 1 at some point, um, talking about the lore of the show and what we like and what we dislike. Um, and I think there was talk about a serial one. So just going to tease that out there if people want to fight about their favorite or hear us fight about our favorite serials. There's literally, a, there's literally a fighting game based on serial, serial mascots coming out next year. Okay, so we need Kevin on that one for sure. Cookie um, But otherwise, way. guys... If you do enjoy this, if you did, dude, if you did enjoy listening to this, please go ahead, hit a like button on YouTube, subscribe to us, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast, podcast. We're I'm clearly at the end of my wits here, podcast network. Um, and otherwise, thank you so much for watching or listening. We really do appreciate you guys tuning in. You guys are the reason we do this, and I love hearing your comments and hearing your feedback. We've had a few people saying over the past week. Um, that they look forward to listening every week. And I mean, that just, I feel that. I really, really love that. So it's really thank cool. you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks to our patrons for supporting us and letting us keep this dream alive. And uh, from all four of us, we will see you guys in the very next episode of the Metamaniac Show. Take care, guys. See you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.